0: Well, I want to ask you to join me in prayer as we prepare to begin our Torah study. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Tonight I want to talk to you about our relationship with God, but Before we do that, I want to talk about God's relationship with us. The God of Israel, the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, wants to have a personal relationship with with his people. He wants us to feel his closeness. He wants us to feel his love. He wants us to feel his interest, to experience that. He actually wants to be an active and a vital part of our lives Now some people feel that God is far away and removed from everyday life. Some people feel that God created the heavens and the earth and then he went on vacation or he moved far away. Some people think that God in the days of old was one way, but now he's, he's very different. But Torah gives us a really different picture. And I want to start with a radical idea that... Uh, Torah presents to us uh, and it's this God has friends can you say that with me God has friends one of God's best friends was Abraham King Jehoshaphat uh, knew how God felt about his friendship with Abraham and when Israel was being threatened by Moab and and other armies the king called everyone together and he said we all need to fast fast and we need to pray together and we need to look to god for help and when he prayed he said this it's in second chronicles chapter 20 verses six and seven incidentally you can find these scriptures on our facebook page beth israel's facebook page messianic jewish teachings facebook page my personal facebook page just so that uh they're accessible to you and this is how king jehoshaphat prayed he said lord the god of our ancestors Are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule also over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Say that with me. Abraham, your friend. You see, the king understood when he was calling out to God that he was part of Abraham's family. And he was saying, God, Abraham was your friend. And you made a promise not only to Abraham, but to the descendants of Abraham as well. And that tells us something. Family is really important to the Lord. Now, the prophet Isaiah brought a message to Israel, and and he gave voice to God's friendship with Abraham too. You'll find this in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, where the Lord, speaking through, Isaiah says this, But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend. Can you imagine if that's how God was thinking of you? My friend. Oh, I'm so glad to see you, my friend. The apostles recognized God's friendship with Abraham, too. In the Brita Hadashah, the letter from the apostle Yaakov, what's his name in English? That's a trick question. James James is how he's known in English, but what should his name be in English? Jacob, because his name was Yaakov. England needed to have a King Jack or something. (laughs) I don't know. James 2.23, he writes this. It says, Abraham believed God and that faith was regarded by God to be his approval of Abraham or that God counted it to Abraham as righteousness. And so Abraham was called God's friend. So we learn something about God's friends. He's really serious. He keeps friendship for a long time. Have, did you have friends when you were growing up and then you went in different ways and you have memories of them but you're, you're not friends anymore? Well, God's not like that. He does not forget his friends. He's still thinking about Abraham and still calling Abraham his friend and still uh, acknowledging because of that friendship that all of us also can be uh, in close relationship with him. Now Moses was also a friend of God. It says it in Exodus Thirty-three, verse 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Another way of translating it is this, the Lord would speak to Moses personally as a man speaks to his friend. And Yeshua speaks about friendship too, and he calls his disciples to recognize his friendship with them. In John 15, verse 15, Yeshua says this, I've called you friends." Because everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So here we get this idea. Yeshua is saying, you are my friends because I've opened up everything to you that I've received from my Father in heaven. Everything that I've got, I've shared with you. Now, Yeshua has a lot to say about friendship, so let's back up a few verses. And here I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles if, if, if you can. John 15, verse 9, we'll start there. Yeshua says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So now a picture is developing. Abraham trusted God, that was part of his friendship. And Moses had communication with God. And listen very carefully to what God had to say. That's also part of friendship. and And Yeshua says, "I've opened up everything that I've received, I've shared it all with you, and that's also part of friendship, is respecting what's precious that's shared with us. But Yeshua takes it another step. He says, "If you keep my commands, And he's speaking as on an eye to us. He's saying, when I instruct you, I want you to take it seriously, not as an option, not as one possibility among many things. I want you to trust me by following what I teach and what I say. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, this is... This next verse is really interesting because it explains his motivation. Verse 11, John 15, verse 11. I've told you this so that you can really be religious. I've told you this so that you can be doctrinally pure. I've told you this so that you can graduate with honors from seminary. Yeshua didn't actually offer up those explanations. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. Isn't that interesting? The motivation of Yeshua is this. There's joy to be had in a personal relationship, a close relationship with God, where we're trusting him, we're listening to him, We're taking seriously what he says, and we're doing what he says. There's joy to be had. Now, you can find joy in other things, but I can tell you this. Those joys are less than and not as long-lasting as the joy that comes from the Lord. My joy may be in you. How do you like to wake up in the morning every day and feel a sense of hope, positive expectation, good things are about to happen, I'm happy to be alive? Do you ever wake up and just want to close your eyes again? Do you ever find that you can't sleep because you got too many worries or anxieties or troubles that come to your mind? Yep. (laughs) Doesn't matter what age you are, you can have... You know, concerns and troubles, things can be serious. Now, there's an alternative. You wake up in the morning and you've got this sense of joy. And it's not because you are on the manic side of manic depressive this day. It's because you actually know that God wants you to have joy. And he's sharing it with you. Have you ever been with those kinds of people they're like black holes and all all your happiness and all your hope and all your positive expectations it just gets sucked out and no matter what you try to do they're going to come up with a way to pull joy out of you can you relate to that and have you ever been with another kind of person who's just happy to be alive and they're thankful and they're looking on the positive side and maybe you've just had a hard day and you say something about it and they s- immediately encourage you and their encouragement is, is not a trite it's it's deep encouragement and the result is you are encouraged have you ever been with such people and even against your own emotions you start feeling good you you were committed to feeling sad or stewing on something and yet this person touched you in a way you see that person is representing Yeshua in in a certain way cuz Yeshua had joy he had joy and he also had other emotions he had he had sorrow he wept when he went to the grave where Lazarus was he he wept when he was anticipating the the pain and the difficulty of the crucifixion, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured all that suffering that he experienced. But he had joy which allowed him to go day by day through life with a special attitude. And he says to us, I want you to have my joy. And it's interesting. He's not saying I want you to have joy like I have. He says, I want you to have my joy. That tells us something. Yeshua is joyful. And so if your picture of Yeshua is that, you know, he's just really serious all the time. And, you know, he's like the the harsh judge walking around, criticizing this one, finding fault with that. You're afraid to look at him or get close to him. You've got a wrong picture. He had joy. He not only had joy, he has joy. Joy. So he says, I want my joy to be inside of you, and I want your joy to be complete. Who's in favor of complete joy? I am. And then Yeshua goes back to the theme that he was introducing, and that is that real friendship and real love with him are connected to receiving his authority and his commands and he says my command is this love each other as i have loved you not as you have loved you not as you have loved or other people have loved you so don't just reciprocate But look to Yeshua and the great love that he has. This means we have to appreciate the love that he has and the love that he's shown. That's why it's really important to read the Gospels. The Gospels are meat. They'll give you the life of Yeshua, the actions of Yeshua. And you'll you'll be made strong by reading about the Gospels and reading what Yeshua says and what he did. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeshua is not talking about a principle here. He is explaining what's about to happen. He is about to show the great love that he has. And then in verse 14, he returns to this important theme of obedience. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant Does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends because everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So we see that trust is part of friendship. Communication, intimacy, and closeness are part of friendship. And we see that obedience is part of friendship with God. And... When we look at these examples, Abraham, we look at Moses, we look at the disciples of Yeshua, I think some people see those folks as having been like superheroes. Maybe they didn't have superhero uniforms. Maybe they couldn't fly. But I I remember one guy telling me they had superpowers. You know, they they could trust God and they could do things that mortal men and women cannot do. Some people think the apostles were superheroes. It is true that these people were remarkable. But what is actually more remarkable is that God wants friendship with all of us, and we know what we're like. So we know what our failings are. We know what our weaknesses are. And if we compare ourselves to the great heroes of faith, we we might find ourselves falling short. And we can examine ourselves and say, you know, I'm just not like them. But I tell you something, God looks at each of us and values each of us. And he, he knows what we're like, but he still wants to be close to us. The, the prophet Jeremiah spoke about God's desire for all of Israel to know him and to be close to him. The Jeremiah was the one who the Lord used to say this. They will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Now, if you're one of those people who, who struggles with self-worth, maybe you're one of the people that thinks you're the least of. And so I want to speak to you about yourself. You, who are the least, will know the Lord. Now, some people have, you know, like giant heads. It's like, well, I don't struggle with self-worth. I'm so great. Whether you really are that great or not, I can tell you this, that God wants you to know him. From the least to the greatest. If you think in terms of power, or in terms of of wealth, or in terms of social status, you might feel like you're not at the top, but I am going to tell you something, God wants to know you. Not only does he want to know you, he says... All, from the least to the greatest, will know me. So it's not based on how good you are, how big you are, how much status you have, what you've accomplished, what you've done. It's based on him. He wants you to know him. Now the question is, what makes it possible for all of Israel to have such a relationship with God? I've talked to to Jewish people who are not Messianic, and I've asked them things about this prophecy, and some people say, oh, this will happen in the Messianic age. And they're right. They are correct. It will happen in the Messianic age. The the problem is, if you think the Messianic age is way out there later, 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 you've missed something. The Messianic age, in a certain way, began when Messiah came. Now, when he returns, we're going to have a whole new measure of the Messianic era. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be shocking. It's going to be wonderful. But I can tell you this. Messiah is on the throne right now. And he is in authority right now. And he is accomplishing his will right now. And he's spreading the knowledge of the kingdom of God. He's spreading faith, he's spreading truth, he's spreading mercy, he's spreading compassion all over the world. And how is he doing it? He's using people who love him, people who trust him, people who take his word seriously, and people who are bold enough to share with others and explain and to tell them the goodness of the living God. So what makes it possible for all of Israel to have such a relationship with God? Jeremiah's answer is really simple, and it's provocative. It's the new covenant. This is what makes it possible. Jeremiah 31, 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So this is not a Christian idea. I want you to understand that. This is not a Gentile idea. This is not some, you know, Meshuggah Messianic who doesn't really understand Judaism idea. This is Jeremiah, but it's not even Jeremiah's idea. It's the Lord's idea. He's speaking through Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is not saying, I have an idea. I, you know, what we need is a new covenant. No, God says, I tell you what you need. It's a new covenant. And the Lord says, I'll make a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke the covenant, even though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Now, this is interesting. The Lord is saying it's going to be different. So some people are so enamored with the idea of Torah that they don't understand that God has said there will be some differences. There will be some changes. So if as a... Disciple of Yeshua, you don't recognize that, you'll miss some important, important things that will be a key for you. Now, there are other people who say, well, Israel broke the covenant, so God is finished with Israel. But God says, no, you broke the covenant, so I'm going to give you a new covenant. That's a good deal. Some parents can relate to this. You you bought a present for your child, and they broke the present. And because you love that child, you, get, you fixed it. How many can relate to that you've done something for one of your children when they made a mess of things how many were those children who made a mess of things (laughs) all of us (laughs) yeah when i was a kid i loved to take things apart and i remember we had a record player with a plastic tone arm you know and it played 45s who who knows what a 45 is okay that dates you Uh, it couldn't even play LPs, it wasn't that big. So I guess it was a kiddie record player. And I was looking at it and I thought, this is fascinating. And so what I decided to do was to take it apart. And you know, it wasn't hard to take apart. And it was interesting, there are all these things inside. And I got it apart, and <laughs> then I thought, wow, now what do you do? i had no idea how to put it back together it was impossible but i tried and i put this thing in its place and i connected this stuff but i found maybe some of you have had this experience when i was finished there was a lot of stuff left over (laughs) and then when i tried to use it again mm -mm, it didn't work at all so i was one of those kids And my parents understood I had a special joy in taking things apart. So they had to be careful what they gave me. Because I might not put it back together again. The Lord has that kind of Father's love for us. Where he knows what our strengths and our weaknesses are. And he knows that we'll do certain things well and other things we won't do well. And he's still loving us through that. He's not waiting for us to be perfect to show love. And so the Lord's saying... You know, the covenant I made with Israel at Sinai, Israel didn't keep. And he says in verse 33, so this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my Torah in their mind. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they'll be my people. So Torah won't just be something external. It won't just be rules and regulations that are out there that we're supposed to conform to. There are objective truths about the laws of Torah. And Yeshua has that same kind of objectivity when he says, If you obey my commands, you are my friends. So... Don't try to pretend that we're friends with Yeshua if we don't do what he says. But the Lord is saying, I don't just want the instruction of God to be external. I want it to be written on your mind and on your heart. And this tells us something that God is interested in the whole person. When he wants us to know him, he wants us to use our intellect to know him. But he also wants us to use our heart to know him. And some people are... are. Uh, they're more comfortable using their mind than their heart some people are more comfortable using the heart than the mind but the Lord says I, I'm going to write it on both because you need to use all of your capacity the Lord says I'll put my Torah in their minds I'll write it on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people and no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the Lord you know like you, you need to know the Lord because they will all know me. Say that with me. They will all know me. Now, if you're sitting next to someone, look at them, smile, and say, you're one of the all. You're one of the all. You are one of the all. You are to know the Lord. From the least of them to the greatest. Now, just so that you know, the knowing here. In Hebrew, it's like the intimacy that a husband and wife have. It's very personal. It's very intimate. It's not just about knowledge. It's not just about information. So this should not be misunderstood. It shouldn't be read as if God is saying, you will all have correct information about me. While that may be true, God is saying, you will have personal intimacy with me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Because I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. You know what that means? Each one of us has to come to terms with our own sin and our own need for forgiveness. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord. Will Israel ever cease being a nation before me? So what relationship does God want with us? He wants each of us to have a personal relationship with us. He wants us to know him personally, to know his word, to be his people. Not enough to know that he exists. We do need to know that he exists, but that's not enough. And it's not enough to know about him. We have to have a close relationship. And This helps us understand why the Holy Spirit was poured out on Shavuot after Yeshua was resurrected and returned to heaven. Because the Spirit of God in us changes us. The Spirit of God in us speaks to God and calls him Abba. So even if we sometimes feel removed or separated... The Spirit of God never feels that way. The Spirit of God speaks Hebrew, even Aramaic, uh, and says to God, Abba, calls out through you. Now, in the Torah portion this week, in Numbers 1, we read about Israel um, forming her armies, her battalions. And uh, we're not going to spend much time on this but i want to encourage you to to do a study on your own just go to numbers chapter one and look up all the family words there brian made mention of this idea of the house of jacob and and the the phrase that appears in exodus that's part of the shavuot reading and in a similar way in this week's torah portion we see that israel is called to to organize as family that individuals are not just to see themselves as individuals but as members of their families and members of their father's households and members of tribes and members not just of separate tribes but of the whole people israel the community and the congregation of israel and so we learn something from this The strength of Israel is at its greatest when Israel is recognizing mishpocha, family, together. And you see, family is the most important way of organizing because family reflects the fatherhood of God and our relationship to God. You and I are called to be sons of God, daughters of God, children of God and to be well cared for and then to trust him to serve him to to learn his ways and to carry out his ways as well so the spirit of God in us speaks to God and calls him Abba and the spirit of God in us teaches us what's pleasing to God and empowers us to live in him you probably had the experience of uh being tempted to go off course or in a wrong direction, but the Spirit of God in you rises up and boldly leads you to do what's right. And you can try to say shut up to the Spirit of God, but I can tell you it's not polite to say that to him. I don't recommend it. The Spirit of God in us teaches us what's pleasing to God. And so it's by the Spirit of God that Torah is written on our hearts and on our minds. You can't force someone to love God any more than you can force uh, someone to love you. But I can tell you this, the love is important. And the love is forceful in its own ways, but not through manipulation. The Spirit of God in us unites us with God. But not just as individuals... The Spirit of God unites us with one another and calls us to serve together, calls us to worship together. You see, that's what the prophet Joel was talking about. This is where we're going to close. Joel 2, 28 and 29. It will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is how Peter explained to Israel what was going on on Shavuot when the Holy Spirit was poured out. He said, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. You see, God has made a promise, and it's a fantastic promise. It reflects his sincere desires. He wants to pour out the Spirit of God on everyone, young and old, male and female, every kind of person, from the least to the greatest. I will pour out my Spirit, he says, on all flesh, all flesh and blood. That's his intention. That's his purpose. So you can just pinch yourself and see, do you have flesh and blood? And if you do, you can be sure of this. It is God's perfect desire to pour out his spirit on you. How will he do it? He'll do it through the new covenant that Yeshua brought in. He'll do it through Messiah. Yeshua returned to heaven, he said, so that he could send the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit could come to you and come to me. And the Holy Spirit is not in competition with the Torah, with the Scriptures. The Spirit of God and the truth of God are in perfect harmony together. God is not going to lead you in a way that will drive you crazy. He's going to lead you with peace and with wisdom and with stability. So I want to pray that as Shavuot's about to arrive. It'll it'll begin on Saturday at sundown and continue until Sunday at sundown. We're gathering together before that Sunday afternoon at five o'clock in order to to really welcome all that God wants to do and out in pouring out the Holy Spirit on Sunday. I, I want to invite you to come because it's going to be so great, but I also want you to have expectation and preparation and say, Lord, I want more of your spirit. Let's pray for that. Lord, we do want more of your spirit. Lord, we we thank you so much for your love and and because you want to be close to us that you would send your Holy Spirit. And we want to say, we love you, Abba. We love you, Lord. Can everyone just lift up their voices and with your own voice, tell the Lord you love him. Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I, I, I love you, Abba. I love you that you are so kind. And Lord, we want to live more and more as your sons and daughters. And We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we're called to be mishpochah because we are your sons and daughters. Thank you for pouring out the gift of repentance that leads to life. We want to follow you. We want to be obedient to you. We want your joy to be in us. And we want our joy to be complete. And so, Lord, we really want to be friends with you. We want to be those that trust you, those that listen to you, those that take you so seriously that you're the very source of life to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you're so great and that even though we're so small, you love us. Thank you, Abba. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your, your great love. We bless you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. So please stand and if you're by yourself, move around or spot someone who's alone like Rabbi Yuri's doing for me.